Yeah, sauerkraut smell in our house. I woke up and I said, oh, it must be October Sunday. <laughs> All right, well, uh, everybody have a good week? Good week, yeah. I'm trying to slow down. I got, I, I, he, he, uh, he told you about our Wednesday nights, and I want to reiterate. We have, I think, 20, I meant to go out there this morning and count, I think 23 projects individual projects going <clears throat> that's a lot like that's that's good um so some of you might be saying i don't have one going on out there yes that's you that's who we're talking to we we need to get you going out there on wednesday nights uh <clears throat> this is it's like we we don't have a uh, curriculum that we've copied off of another church for this wednesday night thing i've never done anything like it and i knew it'd be great <laughs> but no, it's uh, it's it's really. I, I we're having a blast. I'm having a blast. Anybody, other guys having a blast? Yeah, Keith. Yeah, I'm having fun. It's it's fun. I know our boys are like, this is this is right up there with his pens. They said so. Uh, good. So if you're not coming on Wednesday night, I, you're like, gosh, here he goes, the the attendance pusher. Yes, yes, I am. <laughs> Just like the guy in the video, I am the attendance pusher. Because I know if you're here, you're not out robbing banks. So anyway, uh, but come Wednesday night, we, it's not too late. We get you caught up, and uh, it, it's not too late. Now, if you come on the fifth or sixth week, I'm not getting you caught up that much. <laughs> but right now, it's it's not too late to get you caught up. You could get someone special, something nice for Christmas. Check that off your list. Good fellowship. Uh, we've not lost any fingers so far, so... Uh, nobody's bled so far, so still early. Uh, we we had a, a electric planer going last week, and I was a little nervous, but it it worked out. It worked out. It was fine. We all left with with ten fingers and ten toes, if we had ten, ten fingers and toes when we got there. Anyway, all right. Well, let's get started. We are going to uh, go to chapter number four in the book of First Peter this morning, and uh, I gave Cody. A, I, I said one and two maybe verses three and four. So we'll see. If you guys are well behaved, then, <laughs> then we'll get that far. Or, or we'll see. We'll see how it goes. And uh, I, I know you know this, but this, this uh, book of First Peter and even Second Peter has become one of my favorites over the years because it covers everything. Everybody feel like we're covering everything? We have covered a gamut here, we, and we've still got one more chapter to go. Well, two, we're just starting this one. Two more chapters and maybe Second Peter, and we've covered a broad spectrum so far. Everybody feel like you're, you're getting your money's worth, like feel cheated yet so far? So we're getting, we're getting our money's worth out of this deal, out of this Bible. And uh, that, that's one of the reasons I like it, and it's, it's applicable. <clears throat> I mean, Peter is uh, just our kind of guy. And uh, I really enjoy the Apostle Peter's writings here and this book, and I feel it is a beneficial study for all of us. And uh, I'm kind of disappointed in myself that it's taken us four years to look at this book, but um, I, I think it's great. And uh, we're going to do, I, I hardly ever, I don't, I, don't, I don't know if I ever have planned an invitation. It's like most churches, that's just part of their... They give the sound guy a list. I just give Cody some verses just to watch him go. Or, oh, that's not bad. <laughs> but most, most sound guys have their, their scheduled uh, service arrangement and order, and they plan that out during the week. We don't do that. And um, on all, every one of those I've ever seen, it says down at the bottom, invitation. And we're, we're going to do that today. And a couple reasons why. Um, because you may find yourself convicted of sin this morning. I warned you last week. <laughs> I said, if you don't want to be convicted of sin, don't come next week. You may find yourself convicted of sin, and you may need to go. Now, these we, we don't have alders. We've got these pews up here, and they work fine because nobody uses them anyway except us. And uh, you can sit over there. Sometimes you sit over there, and you kind of stir things up. So uh, it keeps me guessing. If I want to preach on their sin, I have to look for them. <laughs> so the rest of you could learn a little something from that maybe. <laughs> and uh, Just kidding, just kidding. Um, but, but another thing is we are official, maybe we shouldn't have started recording yet, now I'm just mumbling, but anyway, we, we have an official church constitution on record, on file. So, uh, not that we've not had a membership role before, um, but it's not something that I have ever really 
like it's not something I probably don't push enough because it takes time. Look, we're 10 minutes into this deal and we're now, we haven't even started. And I all right, scratch three and four off, Cody. We're not getting that far today. But uh, uh, church membership is important. And um, if you would like to hook up and join with us and be a member here, um, I'm not sure what it'll get you. What will it get you? I have to come up with a nice member's gift, I guess. Sauerkraut, it'll get you sauerkraut, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, we, we, we do have members, um, but uh, uh, somebody last week said, well, we'd like to become members, and I said, well, all right, next Sunday morning, and they're not even here this morning. So anyway, uh, anyway, that's, that's what that time invitation is for. Um, also, a time invitation, what, what we use that for is you may, have not, you may not be baptized yet. You may be saved and not baptized not that you have to have an invitation to say, hey, I'd like to be baptized, but that's what happens then. Or you might not be saved. There may be someone in here this morning who's not saved. And you may be struggling with that. <clears throat> and hopefully, if you'll listen tight through this message, I'll tell you how to be saved, and you won't even need an invitation to get saved. <gasps> that's not how this works. But you could use that invitation as a time to come up here and say, hey, I got saved during your preaching or last week or five months ago during your preaching. Great. Tell us about it. That's why we're here. That's, that's why we put on this show. <laughs> and that's why we're here, is to see people saved. That's our main objective. And if you sit here for five years and never tell us, what fun's that? <laughs> What's fun's that? We, we want you to have some excitement, some zeal about it, and to tell us if you got saved. So you could use this invitation for that. Or, I don't know, maybe you're having a baby. We should use the invitation for that, Evan. You guys just did blow it off before church one Sunday morning. So, I mean, I don't know, what, whatever. Whatever the invitation's for, uh, that's what you could just, it's like a fun announcement time. Invitation doesn't have to be like, oh, here we go. We're going to sing five verses of just as I am and without one plea, whatever that is. And this is, oh, hurry up, the Catholics are going to beat us to Bob Evans and the Methodists are already at Pizza Hut and... Like, hurry up, come on, We're, we might as well go home and eat eggs and bacon now. <laughs> like, well, guess what? We've already got food for you today, so. What, just, I, that's fine? Yeah, just, a, no, we can't do that now because everybody will giggle. <laughs> we, will, we will run the dove off. <clears throat> All right, well, let's go, let's get to work here. Uh, let's pray first, and then we'll get busy. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that you've given us this morning, Lord. Uh, thank you for the folks. Uh, that have come out and, uh, Lord, uh, got ready and left the house maybe in the dark this morning and, uh, Lord, got up at the wee hours and cooked some food for us, and we just appreciate that. Uh, Lord, we uh, thank you for this time that you've given us this morning, and, Lord, we uh, pray that you'll feed us, uh, Lord, through uh, uh, Peter's writings here and through your Holy Ghost, and you'll guide and direct us. And, Lord, if there is someone this morning here that's not saved, I pray that today that would, that would change. And Lord, if there's someone in here this morning that's dealing with sin, and Lord, if there's someone in here this morning that uh, just has any issue of life, Lord, I just pray that you'll let them know that we're here to help and that you would uh, use your Holy Spirit to guide and direct us. And Lord, help us to have a good time in your house this morning. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, let's get to work here. First Peter chapter number 4. And remember, last week we looked at what, what, what are you doing, Jesus? What, where are you at? What are you doing? That's what we looked at last week. We looked at Jesus is seated on the right hand of the Father in heaven, and He's interceding for us. He's taken up. He's our advocate. He's our intercessor. Um, he's preparing a place for us. He's He's busy. He's He's got all. He's keeping track of us. Uh, sometimes we're not easy to keep track of, right? But that's He's doing all that. In, that's what all is going on in heaven. Busy, busy guy, right? And uh, if He's uh, your advocate, like He is mine, He's really busy. Because remember the devil is our, the accuser of the brethren, and he's standing right there in God's ear saying, did you see what Evan was doing? Yeah, I know. <clears throat> so that, that keeps him busy. Were you here? I don't think you were here last week. I get to pick on you with that, did I? Uh-uh, yeah, I, I was looking for you. <clears throat> Where's Evan when I need him? <laughs> he doesn't move around a lot, so I can just, he's so handy right there, and he's right there, and he works. He, if, if you don't know, Evan's on a... A critical work schedule. Is that what it is? He, he gets paid to nap and lift weights and stuff. <laughs> so uh, a lot of Sundays he's uh, putting out fires, rescuing cats from roofs and stuff like that. So, uh, And when he's not here, we talk about him, but I don't want you guys to tell him that, that that, that takes place. So, 
<laughs> That's right. Joel can post it for him. <laughs> uh, busted. <clears throat> but anyway, uh, so we, we, we looked at exactly what Jesus is doing in heaven. He, he's, he's, working, he's working for us. Um, his his uh, work is not complete as of yet. Um, he's still, his work on the cross is complete, and his work on earth, but he's still got his hands full taking care of you and me. Um, so we, we looked at that last week. So when we get to verse no, or chapter number 4, verse number 1, uh, we see a continuation of this. For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh. I just want to pause and just take a minute here because I think if we're not careful, we can read through our Bible and we can hear preaching and we can hear teaching and we think we understand everything that's going on. And we just kind of get kind of numb to Scripture, don't you think? That we, we think about, okay, Jesus suffered and died on the cross. We hear that saying so much that it just becomes something we know and we don't pause to picture that and to think about that. And, well, we've got Easter coming up and we always kind of break down and take a week or two to talk about what happened at the cross at Easter and then we kind of go on with the rest of our our lives and the rest of the year and we preach about fun stuff and we don't think about the cross very much do we on Sunday nights we uh, we started a new series last week and um, uh, I, I and for oh, this might possibly be our next our next service it's not an evening service and, and if you if you're here you're required to be here this this afternoon it's not like you can say it's too far to drive nope you're here already uh, the football game, nope, we're boycotting the NFL. Uh, and uh, the Buckeyes already won yesterday, and Joel was surprised that I watched that. But I, I, that's, that's, that's not really sports. I mean, that's, that's life. <laughs> it's not like the stupid Bengals. <clears throat> but uh, so there's no excuses. And this afternoon's lesson, we don't preach in the afternoon sometimes, but is one that it, it's, it just, I actually, I, I started this, anyway, stay. Stay, stay, be good. But what we talked about last week was the church at Ephesus. And Jesus told the Apostle John what to write in a letter to take to that church and these seven churches. So we get to, get to see what is wrong with these seven churches. Isn't it always fun to see what else, what's wrong with somebody else? That's always fun. Like, oh, what's wrong with them? Ooh, our kids will be like, what did what, what, we get in trouble for? You worry about him. You worry about you, right? But we can learn from these seven churches, and, and that's the goal behind it. And also a self-examination. And what he, what Jesus, Jesus Christ. In fact, he said, "I am the beginning and the end." Say, "I write unto you." Oh, like that's Jesus telling you what's wrong. And this church at Ephesus, he told them that they lost, they had left and lost their first love that being him and then he went on to say do you basically the gist of it is do you forget where i brought you from hmm that's kind of important to remember isn't it what what do you used to be like what what did you used to do what you know sometimes i think we'll kind of grow in this whole christianity thing and get be saved 20 30 150 years and We forget what used to was. We forget, uh, I asked the question, what was life before you were saved? And some of us were saved at a young age, so like Hot Wheels, that's what life was, salvation. But um, my wife said, and I, I forget what some of the other things was said, and the only reason that stuck with me is because she was saved at the age of 20-ish, something. And she's 23 now, so she's been saved for three years. <clears throat> but she said, no hope. That's what she remembers before salvation. No, no hope, and that's comforting, isn't it? You know, Jesus is saying you 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 left your first love. What were you like before? And, and to her, it was I, no hope. N no hope. And why do we have why do we have that hope in Jesus Christ? Because of what Peter just said, he suffered for us in the flesh. Now that may sound familiar. If you'll look at First uh, Peter chapter number 3 and verse number 18, and we covered this a couple weeks ago, 
And this is important. This is Peter's gospel. If we were going to put Peter's gospel and put a name on it, it would be here in verse number 18. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins. Why did Jesus Christ suffer for our sins? Hmm. And then it goes on to say, the just for the unjust. What does that mean? He, he was just. He was righteous. He was holy. He was sinless. He was perfect. He had no sin. But who had sin? Me. Me. You. you. Even Christy. That's unjust. I, I say this all the time because I want you to, I want it to be just, when I say the word sacrifice, and I usually watch Cody's lips when I say the word sacrifice, because I'll say sacrifice is this, and Cody can probably, what is it Cody, what is sacrifice? <clears throat> it's the innocent dying for the guilty. Apparently I need to do that every week because he, he, he put him on the spot and he lost it. That's what a sacrifice is. The sacrifice is the innocent dying for the guilty. And that's exactly what happened. Our sacrifice died. Jesus Christ died on the cross in my place and in your place. Why? Because sin has to be covered. Sin has to be paid for. And the only way it can be paid for is with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Not my blood. It's wicked. It's sinful. I, I couldn't die in Evan's place if I wanted to. Yeah, I like you. <laughs> I would. If you were in a burning, he does that every day. If you were in a burning building, I'd come in and get you. And then we would razz you <laughs> like the firemen had to be rescued by the... <laughs> but no, that, that's, that's, that's what that is. That's what a sacrifice is, is the innocent dying for the guilty. I, I don't deserve Jesus Christ to die for me. You know why? I'm not worth it. That's the only, you know, our, our current age, we, we like to puff ourselves up and we, we, we teach and some people preach about having low self-esteem and low worth and whatever because it's not healthy and it's not healthy. You don't get stuck in that rut. But I think just every once in a while, we ought to examine ourselves and say, hmm, was that a good trade? Did, did God make a good trade? Me... The Bible says there's no good in me, and I agree with that. Me, my heart is desperately wicked, deceitful above all things, and who can know it? You don't even know how deceitful. I don't even know how deceitful my heart is. And then we have the perfect Lamb of God, innocent, that was willing to die in my place. That's a sacrifice. And didn't just die, but look, suffered for sins. Why did he do that? That's the big question. That is the, the universal question. Why did Jesus Christ die on the cross? That he might bring us to God. That, that's why. That's why Jesus Christ died in my place. And that's why Jesus Christ died in your place. To bring me to God. Because you know what? We're studying in Sunday school, and you guys will see this next week when you come to Sunday school. <clears throat> but we are studying studying all the way back in Genesis, the first book of the Bible. We just started all over again. We, it took us three years to, to get through the Bible, and, and we're doing it all over again, brand new, fresh. And uh, Steve said in, this morning, he said, wow, this was so much fun today. It didn't even seem like we were in Sunday school. So maybe we're, maybe we're on to something. I don't know. <laughs> but we are going to learn in the next couple weeks that God walked with Adam that they were together, they were unified, they were, they were pals until sin entered the world. And when that sin entered in, they were separated. In fact, God kicked Adam and Eve out of the garden, put a flaming sword to keep them from getting back in in His presence. They were separated from God. Guess what? You and I are separated from God at birth. We don't have to wait until we sin, which if you've ever been around little ones, it doesn't take long, does it? Ooh, yeah. I, I'm often reminded of this at our, at our other church. A young couple. He he said, he's like, hey, uh, when are when are when do you think they're old enough to give spankings? I'm like, if you're asking, it's time. <laughs> and uh, we we had that conversation at our house a couple weeks ago. I think it's time. We're both asking. <laughs> She's the baby, the last one, special, right? <clears throat> so uh, we'll 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 see. 
but uh, it doesn't take long until you see that sin nature creeping through. Uh, as a side note, and this is what made me aware of this, because I just this morning I said, Ruby, could you get Daddy's church boots? Guess what she brought to me? My church boots. So what does that tell you? She's going, oh, and I'm like, she knows. She understands. She has that understanding now. It's time. Because <laughs> if I said, bring me my church boots, and she brought me a, a yogurt, nah. but I said, honey, would you bring, bring daddy his church boots? And she'd come in there with church boots, dragging the, dragging the ground. So she has an understanding. She knows, she knows right and wrong. That's, that's a little test. I'm testing. So uh, we see it at such a young age, we know the difference between right and wrong. And what is that? That's sin. That's sin. That is, that is separation from us and God. Our sins separate us from a just and a holy God. And God cannot allow one sin into heaven because if he let one sin into heaven, it would spread, contaminate, and multiply, and we would have the mess in heaven that we have here on earth. And I tell you what, I'm not looking forward to that. I don't want to spend all eternity in just a revamped, remade earth. Anybody interested in that? Because in 6,000 years, it'll be, it wouldn't take that long. In just a matter of years, it would be just as corrupt and evil. Geez, look how long it took for murder to come in the first family. Not long. Not long at all. Less than a generation. So he will not allow one sin into heaven because it would contaminate and corrupt heaven just like here on the earth. So if you're here lost this morning, you are separated from God. You know, I have, I have people tell me this, that they say, I cannot understand the Bible at all. And it, it, you'll, you'll learn this, and the Holy Spirit will guide and direct you. But if you, after years, continually say, I, I don't understand a thing it's saying, you, you need to examine yourself because the Bible will tell us that the lost person has no understanding of Scripture. They have no understanding. That they, are, they are still foolish and unwise in heart. And that is a good determining factor in that. And then here's another thing. If you can sin and not get convicted of it, mm, that's like litmus test number two. I don't understand Scripture. Oh, I can sin and not be convicted about it. That doesn't happen with Christians. Mm -mm. Now, I think I, I might be wrong. I think I do a pretty good job of letting Scripture convict us of our sin. Would you agree? Am I like that evil, mean preacher that just like, oh, I don't want to go to church. He's, gonna, yeah, he's been on Facebook, and he's going to nail my sin to the wall again. Like, hey, you don't need a preacher doing that. Did you know that? That's, that's part of my job. But if, if I bring Scripture, I'm just the mailman. I'm just delivering it. I, don't, I, don't, I try to pull myself away from it and not think anything of it, and I just let Scripture do it and try to avoid all relationship with it because I want you to like me. <laughs> I want to be liked. I want you to like me. And if I'm beating the sheep or shearing the sheep every week, that's not good. But you know what? I know that the Holy Spirit can convict you of more sin in a second than I can spend a month doing. Because you know why? You'll say, I bet that, I bet that preacher does the same thing. I bet he's a big hypocrite. Yep. Pretty much, I can read this Bible and I can get convicted like that. Amazing. And you know what that is? That's proof that I have Jesus Christ inside. That He has brought me to God. If I'm not to God, I wouldn't get convicted about sin. Think about that. If I, if I wasn't in the presence of God, if I, if I didn't have the Holy Spirit living in me, why would I, what is there to be convicted of? I can sin, and, I, and here's the difference between being convicted and being sorry. Most of the time when you sin, you're convicted by it. <clears throat> when you're sorry is you sin and you think, oh, I hope nobody finds out. That's the difference. Because if you sin, you realize that you've sinned against God and that He knows. There's no finding it out. He knows. He knows already. Aim, uh, the, the Bible says, be sure your sin will find you out. If you can sin and it never comes out in the open, nobody ever finds out, God knows. It'll come out someday. He knows. And that is conviction of sin. And, and it's more, and here's, here's what conviction even does. 
the Bible says, 1 Corinthians says, it will give you a godly sorrow. You will be sorrowful for your sin. When you sin, it will hurt you inside. Why? Christ hath once suffered for sins. Because when you're saved, you will realize that when you sin, what it cost. Anybody remember that message? What the sin cost. Anybody remember that? That was a fun one. We, we looked at what the price of milk was in 1978. What a Camaro was in 1978. What a car, what a house cost in 1978. We looked at what those, how much those prices have increased today and how much the wages have not. <laughs> but there's one thing that has a consistent price, and that's sin. It has that price all the way back from Adam and Eve, and it has that price today. The cost of sin is death. Sin will cost you death. It'll cost either your death or it costs Jesus Christ his death. I want you to think about that the next time you're, you're tempted to cheat, the next time you're tempted to lie, the next time you're tempted to steal, the next time you think you can do something and get by with it. Whatever your sin is, the next time you think you can look at something on the Internet and get away with it, the next time you can flirt with whoever that is at work and get by with it, no, sin cost. It cost my Savior his life. My feeding the filthy flesh cost his life. And I don't, maybe, maybe the rest of you don't sin like I do. If you, if you don't, oh, you surely got a much easier life than I do. Is anybody, is anybody better than me? Please be better than me. <laughs> but my sin affects me. I have to battle and fight this sin. And if I will remind myself that my stupid sin cost Jesus Christ his life, it's not that appealing. It's, it's not. It's not. Look at that. <clears throat> the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. There's Peter's gospel right there, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Why? For our sins. Go back to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse number 1. For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh. Keeps going, comma. Arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. Now I think, I can't remember everything we've always preached, but I think we preached on this verse when we, we were talking about that thinking. Were we, on? we were on thinking forever. <laughs> how the mind works and how everything works. And Peter is reminding us here that, hey, if we have the same mind as Christians in a church, in a family, and with Jesus Christ, you know, we'll be unified. When we, talk, when we looked at the church at Ephesus last Sunday night, he says, you, you, you've, you've left your first love. But, a big comment of but there, but... You hate the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, and that brought unity to that church. And most, if a church was known for hating some other denomination or hating some other doctrine nowadays, they would be called the mean guys, wouldn't they? Mmm, them Baptists are mean. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Baptists are mean. Yeah. <laughs> but do you know what? That's, at least we're mean together, right? That's, that's one good thing. We'll just be mean and sticks in the mud together. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or not. But no, with that church at Ephesus, he said, at least you hate the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. They were unified in that one aspect. So unity is good. But not just unity in the church or unity in the family, but having that mind of Christ that he was willing to suffer in the flesh. Now, now look, keep going here for a second. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin. Now check this out. This is interesting. I want, I want you to get a hold of this. Jesus Christ went to the cross and suffered for sin. Got that picture in your head? So he has a pretty good understanding of sin cost. Jesus Christ. Am I right? He understands better than any of us in this room how much sin will cost us. Do you know what our mindset and our mentality is about sin? Even save people? Maybe I can get by with it. That's what David thought. Am I right? 
David said, I, I can get by with a little bit of sin. Get, I can just get by with a little bit of it. Nobody will find out. It won't anything. I can sin just a little bit and get by with it. Has anybody ever had that run through your mind? Just a little bit. A little bit won't hurt. Just a flirt here. Just a, just a here, there, whatever it is. Just a little bit. It won't, it won't hurt. How many of you have seen someone else affected by sin and the reality of how much sin costs comes to mind? Has that ever happened to somebody? Seen somebody else affected by sin and you think, hmm, that could happen to me. Maybe seen a marriage bust up because of sin and you think, ooh, that, that could happen to me. Uh, how about somebody getting cancer because of sin? Mm, that, that could happen. You know, I can't find chewing skull anywhere in the Bible, preacher. I can't, I can't find puffing on cigarettes anywhere in the Bible. Don't tell me you're one of them old school Baptists. Well, some of you are getting a little nervous. <clears throat> Keep that thought. I'll show you here in just a second. Just a second. Just a second where that might not be a good idea. Remember that. If that's your sin, I probably don't have to remind you of it. Verse number two. Now remember, he that suffers in the flesh has ceased from sin that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh. I should write that down so that I don't forget to get back to that because somebody won't remind me. I'll just put get back. That's my rabbit trail. <clears throat> so, verse number two, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh, the lusts of men. Think about what Peter's saying here. By inspiration of the Holy Spirit. How old are you, Evan? 30. Are you really that old? I thought you were just a young pup. How many of you think that's that just a young pup? That's a young pup. That's a young pup. <laughs> <laughs> how, how are you, Ted? 45. 45. How many of you think that's just a young pup? Neil, how old are you? 58. How, how many of you think that's just a young pup? <laughs> Keith, how old are you? 53. How, how many of you think that's just a young pup? I got two of you left. Come on, work with me. <laughs> How old are you, Liston? 72. 72. When were you born? April 14th, 45. Now, how many of you think that's just a young pup? <laughs> it's getting kind of getting kind of vague. Should should be one of you that thinks that's young. <laughs> what? When were you born, Dad? August 13th, 45. Yeah. Now, when were you born? Stephen? Uh, February 27th, 1994. <laughs> and a giggle across the conversation. <laughs> 1994. The reason I can giggle is because I know what I was doing in 1994. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. But see how that works? Not, to me, 1994 was just... That was no time ago. I was still, I was still young, hip, cool, and a stud back in 19. And and some of you, 1978 just seems like. <laughs> yeah. I was looking at retirement in 1978. I mean, it, isn't that funny how that works? That's when I went to high school, 1978. See how we have a different perspective on time. Now, a young guy like uh, like Stephen, he might look at the rest of his days, and he might think, that's oh, that's such a long time. But some of us may look at the rest of our days as not very long at all. And here, let's take our own mindset and our own, our own determination out of the equation. The rest of our days could be tomorrow. It could be today for any one of us. Look at what Peter's saying. He's saying, leave the lusts of the flesh. Not just leave it. He's not even telling you to leave it, he's under the assumption that you have already left it. That he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh. Hey, he's talking to us. That we should no longer live from here on out the way we used to. That we should live no longer the rest of our time here on this earth the way we want to. That we 
should live no longer the rest of our time that we have here on this sod, doing what we want to do, how we want to do it, and nobody's going to tell me how to run my life. Is that what we think? We kind of think that way, don't we? Who are you to tell me what, how to run my life? How are you to tell me what I should do and what I shouldn't do? Well, I don't use this verse a whole lot. I didn't even give it to Cody. But it's, it's Romans chapter two verses, or Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, and it goes a little bit something like this. Oh, he's back there typing away. I don't want to butch it up. Uh, okay, he's almost there because you'll be like, our preacher can't even memorize one verse. At least I knew where it was at, I think. But it tells us this. <laughs> 12, sorry. I said 2 at first, 12. <clears throat> but, it, but it basically tells us this. As Christians, you're, you're no longer to live your life the way you want to live your life. And be not conformed to this world, but be trans... Uh, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, here it is, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable <laughs> to God, and which is your reasonable service. There it is. It's a reasonable thing to do. Now verse number two. He, see how much power he has back there? Old, old. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I think that was the one I, I gave you earlier, isn't it? Well, yeah, it is. We don't even have to, we, we don't have to, we don't even have to go there now. Because you are bought and paid for. You're not your own. What does that mean? Do you, do you, remember that real fancy church word that we use? It's called redeemed. We sing about it. I am redeemed. I am redeemed. That's much singing you'll get out of me. But what is that? You've been paid for. You've been bought. You are no longer your own. So how you want to live the rest of your life is not up to you. Hmm. Talking in Sunday school this morning, my evil father has a, a field by his house and he keeps cattle locked up, pinned up against their will. They are no longer able to free roam. They're not free range cattle. They are, they are servants of his. Do you know why? He bought and paid for them. They're his. They now have to do what he wants them to do and that's produce more cows. That's how it works. That's how we eat. They, they are now his property. He, he has to, I'll do that in there for you. He has, they have to do his will. You know, that's us. We have been bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. What we want to do, sorry, it no longer matters. No longer matters. Let's, let's go back to First Peter chapter number 4. No longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but what? Love this. Say it all together with me. But, but to the will of God. But to the will of God. What does that mean? We are to do what God wants. Hey, that's a pretty good trade, wouldn't you say? My sins have been forgiven. Yeah, pretty good. I couldn't do that. Been trying to figure out how to do that. I couldn't do that. My sins have been forgiven. They've been paid for. I now have a home in heaven and I have hope. I have a clear conscience. Wow. I'll make that trade anytime, any day of the week. How about the rest of you? Is that a good trade? That what I want to do no longer matters. You know, we tell our kids when we go out to dinner, we're not as quite adamant about it as, as we ought to be. But what do we tell you, Avery, when, we, when we're going somewhere and you, and you guys say, well, we want to go to McDonald's, what, what do I say? You're with us. We're not with you. Man, that is good. <laughs> Write that down, somebody. You're with us. I'm not with you. Whew. Think about that. That's the will of God. Do you know what God says when you say, but I don't want to, but I want to do this? He says, you're with me. I'm not with you. Man, I just got them goose pimples. Isn't that good stuff? Somebody should write that in the front of their Bible and put my name beside it. 
<laughs> he's with us. I, I, I'm with him. He's not with me. So how should I live my life? He just told me. Verse number two, how should I live my life? The will of him, the will of God. And I got a bunch of verses. We're going to run through them quick. We already looked at Romans chapter 12, verse number two. We're just going to go down through this list. But this is the will of God, even your sanctification. What is that great big old long word, these Baptists and their words that they pull out of nowhere? No, I got it from the Bible. What is sanctification? It's separation. It is separation, separate from the world, separate from what I used to be. I can't get away from cattle this morning. I don't know why. Do you know that what happens when you pull baby calves away from cows? Oh, it's so the, the environmentalist, it's the cruelest, meanest thing that you could ever do. They pull them away from their mother and they bawl and they cry. You want to know why they bawl and they cry? Well, yeah, they miss their mother for a little bit, but then they get hungry. And, and the mom's like, good, get that thing. Ow, what is this pain? Where's that calf at? So then the cows are bawling for them. But they think that is the meanest, cruelest thing in the world, that separation. Do you know what will happen if you leave a calf on a calf? Like if you don't wean them, they'll just do it forever. Guess what will happen to that cow? It'll about kill her. It will pull her down, and if it's a hard winter, it'll kill her. If you've got, I've seen this, if you've got eight, 900,000 pound calves still nursing on cows, they will be a bag of bones. It will about kill them. Hey, do you know that separation, that sanctification, pulling that calf off that cow is a good thing? I don't know where that came from. Got cattle on the brain. That ye should abstain from fornication. Boy, that's not something talked about in our day, is it? Not, not at all. Do, do you know that's not just, just what we think about, like the little flirtation that goes on at the office? Do you know, I don't talk about this much in here because we got young ladies, but pornography is a huge industry in this country and it is destroying marriages left and right. And do you know that's fornication? Yeah. So be separate from the rest of the world. Mm, you got to come back next week because we're going to get that, hammer that too. And by promise, I promise I'll be back next week. Okay, abstain from fornication. Next one, Cody. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse number 18, And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. That's easy. We're getting ready to eat. We're going to give thanks for the food, right? That's what God wants. He wants me to give thanks for the food. Yeah. And, wait a minute, and everything? Every, maybe a flat tire. He doesn't mean everything. Maybe a flat tire. But a toothache. Shouldn't give thanks for that. How about cancer? Shouldn't give thanks for that. He said everything and everything. Do you, do you know modern Christianity tells us a lie that God wants us healthy, wealthy, and good looking, I guess? I don't know. That's what God wants. That's God's will for our life. God wants us healthy and wealthy. I, I don't know if those preachers have never read the Old Testament. I think they, I think they don't ever read it. But do you know when I read the Old Testament, what I find is I find brothers selling brothers into slavery for God's will. Hmm. I, I find God destroying the entire earth for His will. I find God destroying an entire cities for His will. I see God uh, making prophets marry harlots for His will. I see God. I see. Uh, I, I see babies dying for God's will. I see all this tragic stuff. I, I see. Death, destitution, poverty for God's will. And do you know the, how the end of that story most of the time works out? For the good. For the good. So when we're going through those rough and tough times, uh, it's God's will for us to give thanks to that, not just for yummy sauerkraut, but for everything. Uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 20 and 21. Now, there, now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ. He, you're reminding us who it is. The great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Make you perfect in every good work. Why? Why did he perfect us? Why did he bring us to salvation? Why? To do his will. Working in you that which was well-pleasing in the sight, in His sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. That's why He saved us.
to, perf to do his will. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 15, So is the will of God that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Hmm, interesting, isn't it? 1 John chapter 2, verse number 16 and 17, For this is... For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. What is the will of God? I bet Peter's going to tell us here, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. That's God's will. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understand that the will of the Lord is what the will of the Lord is. Paul is telling us not to be unwise, but to understand what the will of God is. What is the will of God in our lives? Sometimes it's to suffer for Jesus Christ. Sometimes it's to suffer for righteousness' sake. Sometimes it's to have cancer. Someone, sometimes it is for a loved one to die. That may be the will of God in our lives. I know it's not easy to just say, well, we just can't say why, God, why? But we shouldn't have that attitude. We should be thankful. Now, this is tough. This is, is this hard to practice? This is very tough. This is practical Christianity. We don't know what lies on the other side, but God does. We look at tragedies in our life as this is the worst thing that could ever happen. Really? Maybe the best thing that could ever happen to come from it. We don't know. I can't see in the future. I can't even tell you what's going to happen in five minutes. One of those crockpots may explode, and I'd never see it coming. How about you? <laughs> Maybe one of you knew there was a short in one of you. I don't know. Maybe you knew it was coming. If you do, shame on you. Don't bring a destructive crockpot in here. <clears throat> but we, we, we don't know what is coming down the pipe, but you know what? God does. God absolutely knows, and it's working towards His will. Has anybody seen how violent... The, year, the days we live in are? How many e evil, mean, cruel, hurtful, disgusting, liberal people there are out there? You, you know what? It's, it's working to God's will. It's a plan. And when you see, this is, what, this is what makes Christianity a little easier. When you see that will working, you see his purpose behind it. And you can relax a little bit and say, oh, I see why that happened. You know, for some of us, we're so stinking stubborn that, and so selfish that when something bad happens, we think that's as bad as it can get. This is awful. This is, this is the most, this is horrible. And then after we're through that valley and we're up on the mountain, we can look back down in the valley and go, oh, I see why God was doing that. Has anybody ever experienced that? You come, up on, come out of the valley, the low place, where everything's just, it's as bad as it can get. You get up on the mountain, the next mountaintop and you can turn around and look down in that valley where you were and you can say, oh, that's why, that's why God did that. But do you know what? That doesn't happen all the time. We may never know. We may never see it on this side of, the, this side of heaven, why something happened. You know what? That's one of them questions I got when I get to heaven. Lord, why did you allow that to happen? Oh, wow, I never thought of that. Your ways are so much higher than my ways. Your thoughts are so much higher than my thoughts. Gee whiz, that's, that's great. I, Good thinking. We should have that attitude while we're down in the valley. It's tough to do, isn't it? <clears throat> get back. All right, let's look at <clears throat> let's look at this, verse number one. We're going to go back to it. Likewise, with the same mind, for he that suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin. This is where I said that when we see other people suffering through sin, we think, whoo, glad that wasn't me, glad I didn't get caught, glad, glad whatever. Remember, Jesus Christ suffered in the flesh for our sins. I gave some counsel here one time, and, and uh, I ran into a preacher friend of mine uh, uh, about a month ago, and he was talking about this lady at his church. And uh, he, he says she's been trying to she's been trying to stop smoking for years. He's like, poor thing. He's like, she'll quit for a day, and then she's back on it, and she'll quit for a day. And, and I, you know, we're having this conversation. And I said this. I said, well, well, have you ever told her to pray for chastisement? He said, no. He said, man, that is good advice. I don't know if I heard that somewhere. I, I don't know. How many of you have ever struggled with a sin? 
what is sin? Oh, I'm glad you asked because the Bible doesn't say anything about smoking or chewing or drinking or whatever. It doesn't say anything about any of that, right? Oh, well, if it interferes with the will of God, it's feeding the flesh. It is sin. It is sin. We don't always know what interferes with the will of God, do we? Hmm. Sometimes we do. And I said, have you, have, you, have you told her to pray about chastisement? He goes, oh, man, that is... I said, that, that will help you defeat sin every time. I have yet, I have yet, I've told my kids this, I have yet had one of them come up to me and say, Daddy, when, when I don't listen, would you please give me a whipping? I have yet to have one of them say this. <laughs> I have yet to have it. But do you know, if one of them came to me and said, Daddy, would you please, please give me a weapon if I disobey you? Do, do you know what would happen? That would tell me that they have a genuine desire to stop their disobedience. They're not just, okay, I'll listen. Okay, I'll stop. Okay. If one of my kids came to me and said that, I would know that they had a genuine desire to stop us. And if you go to God and say, I, 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 can't, I can't stop chewing, <sighs> I guarantee you every time you hear somebody with mouth cancer, what do you do? You get that little heat that comes over the top of your head. Or if you hear the word esophageal cancer, you get that little heat that comes over your head. Am I right? Am I right? Or you hear somebody, oh, marriage busted up. He was fooling around on them. And if you're in that situation, you get that heat comes over you. Oh, I'm really getting, this is so quiet. Am I right? Look, look what that says, last part. For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. If you are chastised for a sin, and you know it, if you have suffered in the flesh, guess what's going to happen? Fixed. It's fixed. Chewing, smoking, fornication. Do you, do you know that the Bible says that David had, a, had his bones waxed because of the sin that he was involved in? Do you know that, that God is in control of your fate, but if you have a sin that is deteriorating, damaging to your body, do you know that's not, that's not good? How many of you want to go through the rest of your life with, uh, with cancer ate up somewhere because you couldn't stop sinning? It is so quiet. That's not God's will. And here's the next thing. What is our job as Christians? It's to preach the gospel. It's to bring other people to Jesus Christ kind of hard to do if they look at you and go hypocrite i've said this before if you're not sure what sin is just ask somebody that's lost they will be glad to tell you what sin is boy i don't know preacher is, is this a sin or is it you know what i'll tell if you come to me and say is this a sin i'll probably tell you this this is my i've had people do this before this is my advice you know somebody's lost yep go ask them they will tell you flat out you don't have to worry or wonder if it's a sin if you know somebody that's lost, they will be glad to tell you if something's a sin. They will be more than happy to point your sins out to you. And you know what? You could be the speed bump. You could be the bump in the road. You could be the stumbling block that's keeping them from Jesus Christ. And is your petty little sin worth that? Is your will greater than God's will? Is your little sin worth Jesus Christ's suffering? I've had to ask myself that before. Is this, is this little pleasure of sin? You, you, know, you know what no, uh, uh, Moses said? There's pleasure in sin. He admitted it. There's pleasure in sin. Look, look at Hebrews. It, it, there's pleasure in sin for a season. It'll catch up with you. It, it'll, it'll run you in the ground. It will run you in a hole. And God might be driving the cart. Why? Because His will is more important than my will. His will is more important than your will. 
we, we get so selfish in such a little box sometimes that we think the world revolves around us and we don't know what God could be doing with us to bring somebody else to him. And you know what I say to that? This is tough to say. You got, you got, to, really, you got to really care about people's souls for this. That if God needs to use me to bring somebody to him, it's not my will, it's your will. Remember how Jesus taught his disciples to pray? Not my will be done, but thy will be done. Seems like Jesus was trying to tell his disciples that God's will and God's purpose was more important than theirs, wasn't it? But hey, I'd rather not go through chastisement. I'd really rather not. But do you know what I've experienced in my ripe old age of 30, whatever it is? It's not that that's pretty old to you guys, isn't it? <clears throat> that if I suffer chastisement in the flesh, I don't want to go back. How, how many of you have touched a red-hot glowing something in your old age on purpose? <laughs> I had to re-clarify that because some of us, oh, it's hot. How many of you just turn the stove on, walk over that thing, turn the stove on, wait for that burner to get red hot, and then just go and stick it on it? How many of you would do that? Why wouldn't you do that? You'll suffer in the flesh. You'll know better. See how this plays out? You get to a certain age, you should know better. We should not live for this flesh, but live for God. Is this, are you guys getting this? This has been the quietest. I haven't got one amen. You must be the most wicked people in here. We didn't get, we didn't get to the three and four. We'll, we'll do that next week. But I want you to ask yourself that question. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? Is our life being cut short? Is the doctor bills worth it? Is our relationships worth it? Is our marriages? Is our service to God worth it? You know what really changed? I'm, I'm, I'm hurrying this up. Do you know what really changed in my life? Probably, I don't know how long, about 10 years maybe so ago, when I finally realized what my purpose as a Christian was. And really, what, have you ever wondered that? What's my purpose in life? What is my purpose in life? If you're a Christian, here is your purpose in life. This will make you fulfilled. Isn't that what we want in life? We want a fulfilled life. Do you know what fulfilled my life? When I realized that His will was so much better than my will. That His plan for my life was so much better than my plan for my life. But here's what's exciting about that. That if I go opposite of His will in my life, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> He'll bring me back around. It doesn't really matter. If I don't want to do what he wants me to do, it doesn't really matter. We're going there anyway. It's just a little harder to go there. Remember what I tell our kids? You're not with, I'm not with you. You're with me. And that's what God will tell us. I don't want to do that. I don't want to go that way. It doesn't matter. You're with me. I'm not with you. And when you understand that in life... <laughs> What's that new modern saying that people have nowadays? The struggle is real. <laughs> the struggle is real, I'm telling you. When you understand that you're with God and He's not with you, the struggle is gone. There is no struggle. The struggle is no longer real. And usually when people say that the struggle is real, it's because they're battling against something. But when you realize that it doesn't matter what you want, that God's will be done, struggle is gone. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that you've given us this morning. Lord, I pray that for someone here this morning and they're not saved, that's the most important thing we can do this morning. Lord, we can show them from the Bible how to be saved. Lord, they can put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray that if there's someone in here this morning that has been convicted of sin, Lord, I pray that they would take a deep, hard look at this lesson. Lord, I wasn't, wasn't picking out any individual sin. Lord, I'm not afraid to name sin. Lord, I pick on my own sin more than I do anybody else's, it seems like, because i got plenty of it. But Lord, I pray that 
they would be convicted, and Lord, that they would see that your will is so much better than ours, and your ways are so much better than our ways, and your thoughts are so much better than our thoughts, and that our focus as a Christian should be to focus on your will and not our own will. Lord, not what we want to do, but what you want us to do. And Lord, I pray that only your Holy Spirit can do that this morning. And Lord, if there's someone in here this morning that would just love to to join this old church, Lord, I pray that you would lead them and guide them that direction as well. And Lord, I pray that you'd take this invitation and that you would move and work in a special way, Lord, and that you would uh, change lives or change hearts and that we would all have one mind this morning. And I pray that you could do that as only you can. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.